So that was just a quick video of kind of some of the things I did. So um, I can get my stuff out. So I went to a place called Nema Village. It's spelled like uh, N-E-E-M-A, so we would pronounce it Nema, but in Swahili you pronounce it Naema, and so we just kind of say it with our Texan accent, just Nema. Um, so Nema Village, it is a baby and rescue home and orphanage in Arusha, Tanzania, which is about in northern Tanzania. Um, I spent three months there. So originally, why I chose to go there and why I did that mission specifically. Uh, so I was not originally going to go. I always knew from early on in my college career that I was going to graduate a semester early. And I decided I wanted to do something that might be useful with my time after I graduate. I had this free semester. And so I looked into a buddy of mine. We decided that we were going to look into doing an internship. Uh, we were going to have a fun doing, uh, spending a semester together somewhere and have fun. But however, uh, we applied, didn't get it. It hurt my feelings, but it's okay. And, um, and it wasn't, wasn't for us. So we, then I looked into studying abroad through Texas A&M, where I just graduated from in December. And nothing worked out. I either had too much hours or didn't have enough for this, this type of abroad. So nothing worked out. And it's kind of how funny God just does things for you. Uh, we go in our lives, and sometimes we don't really like the way that he does for us, or we're just kind of stubborn in the things that we see. But, you know, if we hold out, he provides. And so um, I was involved in a student ministry uh, at A&M called Aggies for Christ. It's through the A&M Church of Christ there in College Station. And they have a program called a Serve Abroad, and it's where they kind of send you anywhere from three months to a year um, out into the mission field. And through them, I was able to connect with Nama Village. They send a, uh, a group of Aggies there every summer and do some mission work while they're there. And I, I didn't want to be an extra body. I didn't want to just go. Nama Village is a place that get, they get a pretty good amount of volunteers and help and through prayer. and just, it's, just, it's an amazing place. And so I didn't want to just go and just be an extra body. And so I told them that I want to go and teach somewhere. My, my background at A&M was education. Um, I am certified to teach middle school grades, English, language arts, and social studies. And I decided that um, I wanted to go and do something that was beneficial. And it just so happened that the dates that worked out for me to go to name a village, they were losing a teacher, and they were needing somebody. The exact same time that I was showing up, they were leaving. It just happened that way. And so um, they said, yeah, well, of course. Now, it was a bit different. Um, uh, I'll get kind of that to there in the last little point, my teaching, my benefits from the trip. But it was an amazing experience. Um, so how that I got to do and I was able to do, and I'm very thankful that you know, some of the things I really wanted to happen, like the internship, the study abroad, didn't work out in the end because I, I was able to be blessed by this kind of trip that was going on. Um, so that's where I was, and it's kind of what I did. And some, some of the benefits of what the trip was, um, obviously it is in a, a developing country. They don't like the word third world country. They like the, word, the phrase developing. Um, and it was... Uh, I lived a pretty comfortable life in the compound that I was at Nama Village. Uh, it was, they were pretty good, well set up there, and so I, wouldn't, I didn't have to skip meals. Or I, I, I mean, I didn't have air conditioner, but that's about it. I still had running water. I, I, so I lived a pretty comfortable life there. But the thing is, is 
outside the compound, it obviously was not the same. You, you go two feet out of our gates and there'd be people living in mud huts. So it's just kind of a, a different kind of culture there. I learned how to drive on the left side of the road with a standard and a big van full of, that fits 10 kids but has 20 kids in it. And, you know, you just learn to, to adjust. And it was a lot of fun learning those different things. You learn the different language. I probably could tell you more Swahili than I could Spanish at this point, even though I took two years of it in high school. Uh, you know, and there's they just do things so different there, and it's really unique, and I'm very thankful for the opportunity to even experience that. Um, it was very fulfilling work. I was very thankful, not only did I teach, but they, Nama Village does, they come in, they accept abandoned babies, and um, if they're, or maybe a mom needs some help supporting them, if they have twins, they can't afford it, they'll just take in whatever is available. It's not, it's not technically an orphanage, because the goal is not to keep the kids there. We want to find family or friends or somebody who can take care of them, who loves them. And if it's one thing that I learned in Africa, is like, you can be poor and happy. They, they love family, and they're very connected to each other, and you can be poor and live in a mud hut and still be happy. So that was our goal, to find a happy family for these babies, that somebody who could love and support them, and that was stable for them, at least. Um, and then another program they do is they support the mothers, because uh, one thing about uh, a developing country is obviously there's not a lot of um, welfare or social welfare in the sense of a lot of support like we have maybe here, um, which in a way it's a happy medium because people will work and they will, they will make a living no matter what. Um, but there are a lot of abandoned and babies who are just left alone because they have no support. So there's, there's definitely a happy medium there that do be considered. Um, so there's a lot of fulfilling work. We didn't just, I didn't just hold babies for three months. I got to go out in the villages, and we got to provide food to um, Maasai villages, which is a tribe in northern Tanzania and southern Kenya. Um, we got to go out and go to the marketplace, and we got to... We, the mother programs, they start a single mom with either whatever program that might, she might be in, get her business started, whether it be a clothing business or a beautician business or a lot of chicken coop businesses, whatever it might be that they can support a living so that their baby, they won't abandon their baby. That was kind of another progress that they did. Fulfilling people, I met a lot of wonderful people. Obviously, it's a mission work there, so there are people who have dedicated their lives to um, serving God and his people, and I met some amazing people. If you saw on my slideshow, uh, the people who started Name a Village, they're an older, elderly couple who were in Tanzania in the 60s, and they moved back, and they, he was a college minister um, at SFA, and they retired, and in about 2008, they went back to Tanzania just to kind of as a, as a trip, and they took their kids, they wanted to show their kids where they grew up, and they noticed there was a orphanage were okay, but there was all these babies, and no, there weren't many orphanages that were just taking babies, because it was too expensive, formula, there was 24 around the clock hour care, and nobody was taking these babies, and so at 70, 70, almost 70 years old, the two of them decided they're going to go back to Africa and figure out what they can do to help these babies, so they started this an orphanage in Arusha, and there's about almost 55 to 60 kids. They've, hurt, they've helped almost 200 kids since they've been there since 2012, and is incredible. They're some of the most busy people that I ever met, and but they love serving the God. They love serving these people. But it's just these two older people who decided, you know, we're not done yet. And they're, they're 75 and 76 now, and they're still trucking every day. I watch them, and I exhaust myself just watching them sometimes. And so it's amazing how God works through people when they are willing to go and do stuff. Um, I also met some people that I didn't think I would. I went to this by myself. 
I, it wasn't not the intention of going by myself. The Aggies for Christ like to send you in pairs or with a team. But it just didn't work out that way. And so I ended up going by myself. And I met uh, a very good friend, the other teacher there. She taught the other class, and we became really good friends. And she's 36, and she's all older than I, but she's probably one of my best friends. And so it's kind of a, a thing you don't expect to happen, but something that God just puts in front of you. And I'm very thankful for that. I'm very thankful for that friendship and that opportunity that I had somebody there like that. And then the Tanzanians themselves are very uplifting and encouraging people. They have issues, just like we do, of their own. And it's just a different type of issues. But they, um, they want to love, and they want to respect you, and they want to give you what you give them back. And so that's something that is very encouraging. Um, an experience that makes you very humbled, um, because you realize that in this world, God is very busy, and he is working through us incredible amount. And not just in Arusha, but in a, a whole country of Africa and around South America and here in the States. Like, God is busy working in our lives. And it's very evident that it's bigger than us. It's much greater than anything that we can do. It is God working through us. And um, so it's just humbling the fact, like, this is a lot bigger than me. This is, this is God working here, and he cares about his people. Um, I had the opportunity to just develop a lot of spiritual disciplines in myself, um, just for because I had a, it was a tiring time. Pick, playing with kids 24-7, it, it can be kind of exhausting at times. I've I worked at Camp during the last four summers. This be my fifth summer. And anybody else who's worked, whether it be in education or in summer camps, you know that it can be pretty exhausting. And so I had to push myself to learn to set aside time for me and for my quiet time, for me to open up the Word, which it, I hope to continue as I live on my life. And then teaching experience. Obviously, I said at the beginning that I was a middle school major at A&M. But, um, so, name of village, the teaching job they had for me was for three- and four-year-olds, which was, uh, it was a big adjustment. I had to learn to uh, um, watch what I say in the sense that it's a lot easier to trigger a crying session than it is um, <laughs> with middle schoolers. And there was, there was a cute video. I, I mean, it was not funny, but there was a cute picture of a girl crying and it was because you know they're bilingual the kids at name just because there's so many people who are English to come and support and so they're not very good at expressing themselves in English yet and so when I would teach now something would happen and they would just kind of shut down and then it would take a while for us to get back to where we needed to be so it was fun I learned to be a lot more patient than I needed to be I learned to adapt and it was a lot of fun I don't I'm not saying that's the career path I want to take now, but I certainly loved it every minute of it, and I appreciate the experience I had. Um, so that's just kind of an overall gist of what I did and kind of the benefits of that. And I want to thank you as a church for supporting me in this mission. Um, this I've been very grateful for this church my entire life and um, what y'all have done for me and the people that the caring, not just for me, but the rest of the youth here. I continue to pray that that is something that is a, a focus of this church as we go on. Um, so, a little bit more of uh, the sermon time. And so, Naima, like I said, is, it looks like it says Nima, but it's, it's pronounced Naima. And so we just say Naima. We're Texas. We can, we can say things incorrectly and be okay. And, but in Swahili, it means grace. Um, so, there are a lot of people you'll meet in Tanzanians, because like Gerald said, there are a lot of Christians in, um, in Tanzania. But they're, I mean, they, are, they live very intermingled with Muslims and stuff too. We had several Muslims who worked at our orphanage 
um, just because they just want to serve these babies as well. And so they live very intermingled, and, and it's very interesting, and they're still all very loving to each other. Um, so that was another thing that was just kind of something you don't really see here and a big eye-opening experience there. Um, but Nama means grace, and this verse is kind of their mission statement as uh, Nama works. Nama village is what it's called. And it's a religion that, is, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look over or after orphans and widows in their distress. And it kind of stops there, but I, I really like the end of it, and so I added more. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world, because obviously we are people, we live in this world, and we are, it is our duties as people who have committed our lives to Christ to seeing how we are separated from and not being accustomed or polluted or numb to the world that we live in, that we are people who are standing out and who are being different in this world. So I, I added that last part, but their goal is to look after the orphans and widows, and that's with their, their baby program, with their mom program, that was their main mission. Uh, so we're going to focus, because this was about my trip, and we're going to focus on grace today. And grace is a very big concept and as Christians and a very encompassing thing. We can probably spend several Sundays focusing on this one word. Um, but specifically today, uh, we're going to kind of focus on God's grace and what of a great thing it actually is, and then the practical use of us extending this grace in our lives. Um, so, grace is a large topic and it encompasses a lot. I remember when I was in, in the youth group here growing up, our, the youth minister here was Tony Tucker. And he didn't coin this phrase, he just reiterated it to us. And uh, when he, we were doing a lesson on grace and mercy, and he was trying to, you know, it's kind of a, when you're younger age, it's kind of a hard thing to wrap your mind around. And so he's, so he, there's this famous kind of quote for it, and it is, grace is receiving something that you don't deserve, and mercy is not receive, re- receiving something that you do deserve. So we're focusing on the fact that we're giving something or we're receiving something that we don't really deserve, but we still got it anyway. And that's kind of why we're, our focus here at the beginning of it is why we still got it anyway, even though it wasn't deserved. So uh, the verse that Chris read from us was from Luke, but we're going to get that here in a second. Um, why was grace given? Why did the Holy God send his son to us sinful and ungrateful people at times, people who fall away from him, why did he send him down for, for us? And the easiest thing I can come to is that it's nothing that we ever did. And we'll come to a verse here and explains that. But in 2017, um, like I said, I worked at Camp Durant the last couple of summers, and our theme for in 2017 was I am his. And that basically tells you or an explanation of what it is or why the grace was given. Because... We receive grace not because we are good or something we did. We receive grace because we are his. He chose us, and he made us his own. It's kind of an outrageous thought to think that this great, our great almighty God decides to come down and humble himself and to do this gift for us, but it's because he, we are his own, and he does love us. And so it's the and foundation of the word grace is this thing that he does for us that we are very aware of, but we're going to get into. And because um, death on the cross, like I said, is the very foundation of grace. And a lot of times when we love people, and this is between our relationships in the world, we make these great boasts. We say, you know, whether it be uh, with our 
with our loved ones or with our significant other, we say, you know, I, I would do anything for you. I would move across the country for you. I would give up McDonald's for you. I would do whatever it is. I'm going to make this great boast. I'm going to proclaim my love for you. I would do anything for you. That's how much I love you. But the coolest thing about this thing with God's grace and this gift that he gave us is that this proclamation or this boast is not really a boast. It is a fulfillment. Because not about what he could do, what he should do, it's about what he actually did do, which is the greatest example of love that we can ever imagine. Because um, we can make great boasts all day, but the fact that God followed through and the fact that he showed that he loves us and he showed that he cares for us and is what he did do is, is the greatest proclamation that there ever could be of love and grace. So in Ephesians 2.8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift from God. It has not been your own doing, but it is just a gift of God. And us as Christians are people who decide to accept this gift and commit our lives to Him. And that's why that gift is there to give. He said, if you're willing to love and give your life to me, I have made this gift for you. And that is the ultimate grace that we have for Him. Um, so I'm going to start going for our... Um, our next verse from our scripture reading, and it's a little expert from it, from 17 um, to 20. So this is the coolest part. I chose the prodigal son for our scripture reading today because of, obviously, we're focusing on grace. And, and the coolest thing about God's grace and the gift that he gave for us, and I think is outlined in here. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against you, heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion. Him and he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. That's the and we'll go back if you look at. But while he was still a long way off, his father said. So I, I was talking to myself. Go, it's the other one. Um, he saw he was filled with compassion. That's exactly what the gift of God was. While we were still a far way off, before we even thought in existence, before we came to this earth, before we were our grandparents, great grandparents, what it might be. While we were still far way off, before we sinned, before we fell short, before we lost sight of him, he was filled with compassion for us. But while we were still so far away, he had compassion for us. And that is the greatest example I think we can see of grace and in in for God's grace for us. Because before we even did anything to fall short of him, before we did anything to forget him or lose sight of him, he saw it and he still had compassion on us. Um, so, what does it look like to be people who have realization of this grace, who have accepted this gift that we've been given to us and are trying to do our jobs of extending it to others in this world, are doing our jobs of being somebody who is being a light and being different in the sense that we're not trying to be polluted by this world and trying to be accustomed to it. We're trying to be ones being sanctified. Sanctified is to mean be set apart, to be made holy in this world. Uh, so giving grace to another person I think a lot of times can mainly just simply forgive. Obviously, that if we are in conflict or with, uh, with our brother or sister, you know, to give them grace, I mean, to, even when they sin against us or they hurt us, we just want to, like, it's easy to forgive. 
But I think it encompasses a lot more. If you think about the fact that we live in a world where we are very involved in our jobs and our families and our schools, and there's a lot more to our lives than just when we are hurt in forgiveness. The fact is, we realize, we realize that in, in looking in the distance, just like God did for us, we know that people are not perfect. We know they're going to fall short. We know they're going to hurt us. They're going to sin against us. And they're going to be people who annoy us. They're going to be people who we just can't stand. But we're the ones who have this realization of God's great grace. So we should be the ones who are in this world that have realization that we should be extending this grace to them. Not just because we, we know it and we believe it, but because we want them to know it as well. We care about their souls. We're people who realize that this is the, God, the, the gift that God gave to us. It's not just for us, but it's for everyone. He's died for everyone on that cross. And if we want them to realize this grace, we want them to accept this gift that's been given to us, it is our duties and our job as well to realize we have a lot of responsibility on our shoulders to extend it as well. We have this realization that people are not perfect. They're going to hurt us. They're going to knock us down. They're not going to be the ones that be the bigger person about things. And are we going to be the ones that take this grace that's given to us and extend it and realize, you know what, I am hurt. I have been, and I am offended and I am just aggravated. But at the same time, I have been forgiven and grace was given to me way before this, even before I was able to fall short. And so when in our practical use of our lives, whether it's school or jobs or family, we have to realize that when we are hurt and we are mad and frustrated, that we have to suck it up at times because we care about the souls around us. Just like God cared about every single soul that's coming here, come on this earth, where it goes, and he wants, to be, he wants them to be with us. He wants us to be together. And if we should have that same care for them, there's a verse, uh, a quote that we... I'll get to this in a second, sorry. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis that we talk about at camp, is that you've never encountered a mere mortal. There's never been somebody that you've just encountered that's just, just another person on this earth. Everybody here has a soul. Everybody here is accounted for. And so we should be taking that visualization and actualization that everybody person that we interact with, whether it be outside these gates, inside these doors, wherever it might be, is a soul that is not just a mere mortal, they have a destiny and a faith that's going towards them. And we should care and tremendously about where that faith and soul is going as well. So that's when we, that's why we have this duty and this responsibility to extend grace. Whether it be when we are hurt or whether it be just because we need to do that extra thing, when we need to step outside and see that something needs to be done and nobody else is doing it, but we're going to do it anyway because that was what was given to us. Something, remember, grace is when we receive something that we don't deserve, all right? We don't wait for somebody to do something for us and decide, okay, that's when you did something for me, now it's your turn. No, grace is something that you're doing, something that you, they don't deserve, all right? Even when they, I'm not saying that it doesn't have to be always when somebody is rude to us or tacky to us, it's just because they're there. It's like, I'm going to do something for them because I care for this soul right here. I care that they're a child of God. I know that they are his, but do they know it? And do they have they accepted this thought as well? Because um, we, and honestly, God's people are the people who should be taking the extra step every set of time. And when it comes between this body, whether it be this specific congregation or just God's brother, uh, the children and people who have already accepted this, this should come without fail every time. And Colossians says, bearing with one another, 
And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And when this is in Colossians, is talking to the people in the church. He's just talking to them as a church together. When you're together, this is, this is how you should live with one another. You should be people who are complaint. If you have a complaint with one another, which we have complaints, that's all right, you know. It's about forgetting one another, and the Lord has forgiven you, and so you must have forgiven. Because we're not always going to agree. We're not always going to be okay with things that happen. It's about this, this way we live with one another, about how we extend the grace that's been given to us, and we show it as we go on. Um, so that, but that's for just this congregation, or this, how the church should be with one another. But we all realize when we step out that not everybody has known and accepted God. So we have to realize in Hebrews, to see too that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. It is our duty, it is our responsibility, it is our calling to see to that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. At name a village, if obviously the word grace is a very foundation of what they do. Um, so if you see there's some a slide of two pictures. So this little boy, his name is Ema, short for Emmanuel. Um, he is a very unique case at Nema. So usually, because there are a lot of orphanages around Africa and Arusha, where it might be, they don't usually take kids older than the age of two. There are plenty of places already in, uh, in place for kids like that. And so Nema's real focus is two and under. This is a unique case. His name is Ema. He came to Nema a little bit older than two. And he was found on the streets begging for food. And you can't really see it. You can kind of see it on this one, his little forehead. But he has scars all over his face and his body from when he was on the streets. He had a, his family member had turned him out and decided they didn't want to care for him anymore. And so he had kind of had to fend for himself. And that's when some social welfare, welfare found him and brought him to Nama. And he's the cutest little kid. I have a video I wish I could show you on my phone um, of him counting. And he's one of those that count with a really large inflection. Goes one, two, three, every single time. So I love this kid to death. This is actually my first day there. I show up and none of these are planned pictures. It, was just, it kind of looks that way. But this is my first day and this is my second to last day. He just really likes touching my face, um, which they all like getting all over you all the time. But um, he actually has the opportunity to go back home soon because of the ministry that's going on there. They reached out to the family, and the grandmother decided that she was tremendously sorry for the things that she had done. She wants Ema. She loves Ema. And when I first found out he had the potential to go home, I was mad. I was, I was really mad just because I loved this kid. And the fact that somebody, something like this happened to him in the first place made me extremely upset. And the fact, um, and I didn't want to go home. I just, I had trust issues there, obviously, because of the past. And um, but we did a home visit, and we met the grandma, and she had conviction in her heart, and she showed that she loved the boy, and she wants him back. And so he will go home soon, and he'll live a normal life in the city. Um, and my hope and prayer is that he, can, he is continuing to be loved and cared for the rest of his days. But that is the goal of name is not to keep the kids. It's to re- return them with their loved ones. It's to return them with the people who can care for them that they're meant to be with. And that would not have happened if Nama wouldn't have extended grace to this grandmother. The fact that, the, that given the path that has been given there, that he won't have the opportunity to be with his family, 
But Naamus set out and decided that the past is the past, and grace should be given. And it wasn't just like, you, okay, you said it once, we forgive you. It was a long process. There was people, we met with her several times, and it is confirmed, and it is over and over again, because we, we obviously want to make sure that this kid is cared for and loved for the rest of his life. And it is because the grace that, she, that was sought after her that you're forgiven, and this boy has the opportunity to be with his family. And if that fact of grace is not there, name of fails. And we as a church with our, our calling and our great commission of being people who are going out and proclaiming the gospel and making disciples of nations, if we don't have this mindset of grace in our minds, our mission fails. Of, of making sure that no one, when it says in Hebrews, that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. And if we truly don't accept this or aren't going to proclaim it or live this out in our lives, then our mission as people who are disciples of him has felt as well. Obviously, we're not perfect, and we need to live lives that are, it's about direction, not perfection. And, um, but we, if we are open to God and we come to him and we let the Spirit speak through us and realize this is a lot bigger than us. Remember, like I said, God is busy. God is busy in our lives. He is busy in this world. If we realize that and let him do the work for us, then it can happen. It'll be easier for us. It'll be work through us. Um, so some take-homes. Let's never lose sight of the grace that was given to us. Um, God looked, like you said, we looked in Luke. It said God looked in the future. He saw what we had, and he had compassion on us. And that's something that he didn't have to do. Remember, grace is not something that we deserve, but we still get it anyway. All of his creation, had, and he had compassion on it. So we can make great boast all day. Remember, we can say, I would die for you, I love you, I would step in front of a train for you, I would push whatever needs to be done for you. But remember, Christ, it's not a proclamation, it's not a boast, it's what he did do. It's not about what he could do, it's about what he did do. That's the ultimate underlying of love and grace and foundation of it. It's about what he did do for us. Not because he had to, but because we are his and he made us his own. Um, And then, don't be like the other son who was unwilling to extend grace. We saw that the son who said, I'm always faithful. I'm always, I was smart with my investments, my stay. I was right by you all the time. But still, you didn't give me the fattened goat. You, you weren't giving me the fattened calf. Where, where was my love? And he said, and then the father said, you are here by my side the whole time. But we need to realize that he was lost and he is found. He was dead and now he's alive. And that's what we are grateful for because that is the grace we're giving to them. And we should be thankful for that. And so when we go on, in our lives, and we are hurt, and we are um, aggravated, and we are annoyed, and it could be here in the church, it could be in our workforce, it could be with our families, it could, for sure, it can be in the schools. Um, we have to realize, first and foremost, that it's inevitable. That people are not perfect. It's going to happen. We're going to fall short. We're going to get mad. And, but are we the people taking the extra mile? Are we the people that have this realization, the grace that was given to us, and we are extending it? Are we going the extra mile to give somebody something that they don't deserve, but give it anyway? Um, so that's kind of the two things that I wanted to focus on. Uh, again, I just want to thank you for supporting me on my trip. Uh, it was a fantastic time, and I, I hope that this church continues to support things like this, as I know they will. Um, so here in a second, as we get up and sing, the elders will be in the back. If you ever need anything to share, they'll be there to pray for you, to be for you and their wives. And um, if you decided that you want to accept or proclaim and commit your life to Christ, then we are ready and here to prepare for you that way. Um, 
and that you have realized that God looked forward in your life and He saw and He had compassion on you.